On this bonus episode of Progressive Palaver, the group discusses Genesis Lessons Learned with Ken Fuller. Hi and welcome to Progressive Palaver, a group of lifelong friends and appreciators of music discussing the greatest progressive rock bands album by album. I'm Joe Beauclair and on this bonus edition of Progressive Palaver, I'm joined by my very good friend Ken Gregory and friend of the Palaver Ken Fuller as we discuss Genesis Lessons Learned. All right, gentlemen, here I am once again with the two Kens. Ken Gregory and uh, and Ken Fuller, and we are diving back into uh, another Genesis Lessons Learned episode. Now, we've already had one with Mark Anthony Kay of the Yes Music Podcast, but now we get to talk to, to Ken Fuller and, and sort of get the perspective of someone who experienced Genesis in real time. Which I'm, I'm so, so fascinated to get into. Ken Gregory and I have, as we've discussed in our episodes on the, on the Genesis segment, we got into Genesis in the, the, the mid eighties, you know, when a lot of other people did. We were fortunate enough to have a friend in high school who was in some ways more advanced than us and was able to point us to specific points in the back catalog and at least, you know, help us get our feet wet, even though at that point we didn't fully understand the whole progressive rock thing. And as we matured as, as, uh, in, in appreciating the music, we were able to sort of expand out. But, you know, and, and so while I was aware of most of the catalog before we did this segment, because I, I had spent a lot of time listening to to Genesis, all of Genesis over, you know, my my life up to this point. But one of the things that I've discovered, you know, when we do these segments here on the Palaver, it it forces me, or at least the way that I approach this, I, I always gain a significantly more detailed appreciation of sort of the the story that's told the the how the 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 band changes how the music is is impacted Ken Gregory I love the way that you always bring in the context of a particular album and you know with with Genesis I think a lot of the context really plays a big part and then of course you have the the personnel changes and everything else so you know at this point I feel I feel qualified to have a conversation with you, Ken Fuller, which maybe I wouldn't have had, wouldn't have been qualified a year ago. So I'm really excited to to sort of hear, you know, how some of these changes occurred in in real time. But but Ken Gregory, why don't you start us off here as well? Well, um, as sort of a preamble and disclaimer, the. Progressive Palaver is a journey. We're, we're, we're going through album by album and sometimes show by show, interview by interview. And we don't claim to have all the knowledge. We do not. Going into <laughs> we, we do not. This is, this is just a, a fun journey. Just the teenagers in us are still rambling down the road. 
in the backseat of a car just talking about the music we like blindly. <laughs> and we, we just so happen to catch some facts along the way, but we, we don't claim to know it all. But our lore game has picked up since the beginning. I'll give us that much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but Ken Fuller, we, 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 we turn to you having actually been on UK soil at, at, at the time of the sort of uh, genesis, incarnation, and rise to prominence. Right. Yes, I was a teenager at the time. Yes. So, so how, um, how? Where did you get on the train, Ken? Were you there at the beginning? Were you there near the beginning? Um, my first gig was uh, Foxtrot had just come out. Um, it's not a bad place and, to start. <laughs> uh, no, no, it's a, a very good place to start, and and I ended up buying Nursery Crime and then Trespass. Uh, as a result of that uh, that uh, initial gig, um, that was uh, nine, September 1972, and it was a, it was a great gig. I mean, I, I would mention it because of who else was on it. They, it was the Melody Maker Pop Poll Awards that was held at the Oval Cricket Ground uh, in London, and uh, Emerson, Lake, and Palmer topped the bill. Oh my uh, god! Because they. They just about won everything uh, that year. Um, you know, best keyboard player, best you know, best album, best group, best this, best. Wishbone Asher on the bill. Uh, uh, Focus, Genesis, the Jack Bruce Band, and uh, yeah, that's about it. Um, and the remarkable thing about it. The tickets were fifty pence in advance. Oh wow! Wow! <laughs> so this was a gig that started round about twelve noon, one o'clock, something like this, and ended about ten o'clock at night, and uh, just one great band after another. So there's uh, um, Genesis come on, and uh, I don't think they played Supper's Ready, but they played a couple from Nursery Crown, a couple from Foxtrot. It was enough for me that I got the chance I wanted to go and see them at my local cinema, uh, local Odeon cinema, one month later. Wow. Uh, they, were, they were doing a uh, Charisma-sponsored, Charisma was their record label, a Charisma-sponsored tour, uh, and they were actually the backing band to Lindisfarne. Mm. Uh, I don't know if, if anybody remembers or knows who Lindisfarne were. They had a famous song, um, Fog on the Time, was... Uh, uh, their single, but Genesis opened for them. Uh, so they did like 40 minute set. And then again, I went one month later again. So I went three in a row. I mean, I thought this band were great. I went to see them at Imperial College where they were the only band. So that was in the center of London. Um, so three in three months. Uh, and I just thought they were fantastic. And as a result of that, I ended up, as I say, buying, uh, Foxtrot, Nursery Crime, and uh, Trespass. I don't think I uh, bought Genesis to Revelation at that time. I think I came across that a bit later. But when I remember when you talked about it on the Palava, uh, that was uh, that. That's a very different sound and very different right, album yeah. to uh, the others. Um, so that was a great introduction to the band for me. You know, three three gigs. Uh, 
I mean, I wanted to go and see them. I've got, okay, they're playing again in London in November. I've got, I've got to find a way to go there. And I didn't have a car in those days or anything. And it was hard to find out about gigs. Melody Maker was the source, uh, the weekly ma- uh, newspaper, music newspaper. But uh, that was a good time. And then after that, really, I loved the band so much, I would go to see them once every tour. Wow. I bought the albums when they came out, um, you know, like the day they came out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, um, and certain things were a surprise. Um, the Selling England by the Pound tour, um, I saw at Drury Lane, and you may have seen some photographs where of uh, Peter hanging from wires up in the air. Yeah. Uh, and that was that Absolutely. was at the end of Supper's Ready, um, huh. and it, it, it gets to the place where he, uh, after the apocalypse uh, uh, section, he comes on again and he goes, and it's hey babe with your guardian eyes so blue, so it's sure, goes, sure, and it's explosion, and the next thing you know, he's up in the air, <laughs> oh, that's great, and, and singing with your. Gu- and this is like huge surprise because, you know, because of the internet now, nothing, nothing much is a surprise because you can read about, you know, this, this happened on this gig and so you're going to know it's going to happen on your gig. This was right, right out of the blue. Um, <laughs> and, and so he was used like Drury Lane Theatre was, uh, had all this equipment for uh, doing uh, stage shows. So it was obviously, they were obviously utilizing something that was already in place. A fantastic uh, surprise and uh, beautiful uh, theatre to to hold a rock gig. Um, but it became a for me uh, a bit of a ritual, if you like, is buy the album, got to got to find the chance to go and see them live. So there there are a couple of different threads that I, I want to sort of approach here, and I can't really decide which one is <laughs> I want to pursue first. I guess we're talking already about the live show and, and some of Pete's antics. So, so that that obviously <laughs> is is sort of a a subtext that that comes in through the early part of the Genesis catalog. Now, as I were as I understand that the the subtext, it was it was with Foxtrot where he really started bringing that around. That's where the the fox head came in, right? That was the sort of first manifestation of that. So the fox head, yeah. the red dress. Yeah. So, so presumably Ken, you sort of saw in the beginning of that. And I'm guessing that you saw that sort of expand and, and take on, you know, many additional layers through selling England and, and the lamb, right? Was, was that something that you as an audience member, took note of did you find it distracting did you think it was cool did you think it went too far you know or or were you just like okay cool (laughs) (laughs) Uh, i don't think it the only time i think it went too far was when and i think the band the other band members commented on this is in the lamb when some of his costumes were such that he couldn't he couldn't get the microphone near enough to his mouth on occasions, but that was kind of like the peak of his uh, costumes, the lamb, the lamb show, if you like. I, I think I don't remember thinking that's kind of weird—a guy with a fox's head in a red dress. 
Um, I just thought, oh yeah, great, cool, neat. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's different. So I guess the the other one of the interesting things with this, and and I love the fact that you're talking about, you know, you would buy the album, you know, the day it came out, and you know, I remember when we were younger and we had you know, disposable income and, and we could start doing that. Our experiences at that time weren't quite the same. Um, I were like, I, the, the very first album I remember purchasing on release day was Van Halen's 5150. Jay, um, our, our drummer friend, his older brother drove us to the mall and I, I wasn't that invested in, in Van Halen, but that's what they were doing that day. So that's what we did. <laughs> um, so I, I remember that I, you know, I, I didn't have the, the joy of, of going and buying, say the lamb lies down on Broadway the day it came out. And, and I do remember, and, and again, we've talked about this story on, on the palaver when we got into some of this stuff. And when we got into, to Marillion specifically, we got into Marillion after fish had already gone and we didn't even know it. Um, and, and, you know, right. I, I had, I had bought season's end and Paul came over to my house and we're, we're, you know, eating pizza or something in my room. And I'm, I'm looking at the booklet going, who's Steve Hogarth? <laughs> and I didn't even know, <laughs> right. That, that it happened. But when you talk about Genesis, so they're, if, as you're buying these records, right. And you're, you're, you know, you, you, you hop in on Foxtrot and you buy Nursery Crime and Trespass and you, you sort of know what, what's going on. And then you buy Selling England, which is different, but it's, it's sort of on trend. Uh, you know, and then you move into The Lamb and then Peter leaves and, and you have, you know, the, the, the five to four man transition with Phil singing. And then you have the four to three man transition. And then you've got, you know, whatever happened with Abacab and, and down the road. So what I'm really getting at here, Ken, is are there, are there any particular albums that you remember bringing home that day and putting on and, and either going, wow, this is exactly what I wanted. This is spectacular. Or what the hell is this? <laughs> uh i think the lamb uh, is probably the one where i thought what the hell is this <laughs> it was it was so different from selling england by the pound we talked a little bit uh, about that in a previous uh, previous podcast when we talked about uh, steve hackett right. doing selling england by the pound the most english of albums and then you get the lamb which sounded different, uh, was talking about something totally different, you know, New York City, a double album, a story running through it. It was just so different. And it was a hard listen, it could, I thought at the time, compared to uh, Selling England by the Pound. I believe it, yeah. Uh, it was just, uh, wow, what, what is this? And then there's a bit about Brian Eno was on it. And I knew about Brian Eno because of Roxy music. And, uh, well, you know, what, what, how can he, what's he doing helping uh, Genesis here? There weren't any of the great, uh, pieces. I mean, you, you know, my love of Firth of Fifth. There's nothing like that on the lamb. That, that was just like, wow. And I remember playing it 
a lot trying to get into it. Uh, and well, it, it was hard to, to do that. Now, you, you, there's many a person that said, I think, on uh, different occasions, that the albums that you don't get into immediately are the ones that last. Right, yeah. And I think that's that, that's true with The Lamb. I, I came to appreciate it much more uh, later on. Uh, but at, at first, that was that was a hard listen. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, I mean, you know, I can only, <laughs> no doubt about it. I, I can only imagine putting that on and going, what? And, and then you have to sort of, you know, stick with it. Yeah, yeah. Now, having said that, okay, so it's a hard listen. Did I get? It? Did I go and see them do it? Absolutely. Took the opportunity to go to uh, go and see them at uh, Wembley Arena, indoor arena. Um, and I think I may have mentioned uh, in the past uh, it, it was a disappointment because it was just like the album. It was just, <laughs> but with but with the costumes, um, <laughs> it was just. It was not like, oh, wow, this is fantastic, which we think now if we see somebody like the musical box do uh, right, yeah. the land, it was a case of, oh, really? Okay, well, you know, I think I said before, <laughs> I could have stayed home and listened to this. No, oh, um, yeah. And, 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 it's, and then they did two encores. I think they did uh, a musical box and the knife or something, and I, I somehow wanted more. Uh, <laughs> you more, more of the. <laughs> More of the old stuff. Yeah, I know. I've just had two hours of the lamb, and now and I want more. <laughs> um, uh, so uh, that that's how it came across to me at the time, for sure. Well, one remarkable piece of history that stands out in the Genesis catalog is the recording they did for the King Biscuit Flower Hour. Uh, that became Genesis Live, released in 1973, right in that summer. Had you seen any of those shows? Did you pick up that album? Was that registering with you as a fan? Oh, sure. Yeah, I had that album. Yeah, absolutely. And that was much more like the concerts that I'd seen, uh, the Foxtrot concerts that I'd seen those first three, uh, or maybe not the Oval one because that was a bit different, but the two... Uh, when they were supporting Linda's fun and then on their own. Yeah, that was much more like that show. Although I, d I didn't see them that time. They didn't, I don't recall them playing Supper's Ready. It was almost like it was, that was a bit too much to try and bite off at the time, but they obviously did, did get to it. Um, but yeah, I had that, uh, I think it was a cheaper album too. I think they sold it at the time as a little bit of a discount because it was a live recording and it was in between two just to fill a gap. Well, I was lucky then. At that time, I had money to spare. I had a job, and I lived with my parents. So, <laughs> so the money in my pocket was all mine to do what, whatever I wanted. So that was buy records. Oh, my. Um, did, when did you actually <laughs> venture to the U.S.? Was that in the 80s? I didn't. I did actually. I came to. When did I first come to the U.S.? When I was about yeah, about that time, seventy three or so. I came with my grandmother. Uh, yeah, my grandmother had a friend who married a GI after the Second World War, and they lived in uh, Brooklyn, New York, uh, and they would come over every couple of years to you know, see the family. And I think it was about that time that they were over, and we all went to. Sunday tea with my grandmother and they were there <laughs> and they said 
what if you'd ever like to come over, Ken or Kenneth, I'm sure they said, um, you know, we'd, we'd love to have you stay with us. So, okay. sure, yeah, I'd love to do that. Um, so, yeah, I came over to uh, New York City and stayed in Brooklyn. Uh, and it, they, they lived in a little bit of a rough area, rough part of Brooklyn at the time. But then the part of South London that I grew up in wasn't as it? rough as the Slipper Men. <laughs> <laughs> this was before Lamb, so you actually saw the real America. This was before Lamb. Before yeah, yeah, yeah. Peter before tried Lamb. to scare you. Okay. Yeah, all the graffiti was still on all the subway cars on the outside and all that in uh, the city. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So, but the, the part of town they lived in wasn't that dissimilar to the type of part of town I lived in from, for London. So uh, I, I had no problem getting about. But I, what, there's one thing I really remember. I had quite long hair back then. And a lot of people kind of stared at me. Like, really? you know, is he a girl or something? You know, or, you know, what's the matter with him? Yeah, it was kind of down to my shoulders. But I thought I was cool. Well, <laughs> As you do. I, I have no doubt that you were, Ken. <laughs> <laughs> I have plenty of doubt that I about it. When I see the pictures now, I think, "What was I thinking?" So, so when when Lamb came out, you had actually seen Times Square. Or I had. Least, yes. Okay. Yes. All right. All right. So you said, That's "Peter, this is bullshit." You made this shit up, man. <laughs> yes, I had seen it. That's right. Oh man. <laughs> So when I knew what Broadway looked like, and there were no lambs like <laughs> yeah, that, definitely not. So when when Peter had left, were you aware of it before um, a trick of the tail came out? Or uh, oh yeah, 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 because it was all over the musical newspapers. And were you uh, as a... concerned, or had they had they earned enough of your goodwill at this point that you're like, this is going to be great? I don't care. No, I was concerned. I was concerned that who's going to sing? And then when it became known that Peter, uh, Phil Collins was going to sing, well, who's going to do the drumming? How are they going to do that? I mean, okay, you can do it in the studio, but so when I went to see, uh, uh the, the trick of the tail and, and, uh, I had no idea, uh, what was going to happen. I didn't know who the, the drummer was going to be. And I remember looking at the stage and there's two drum kits going, well, okay, that's really interesting. Now, that means, so Phil's going to play some drums sometime, but who's the other guy going to be? So it was a real surprise when Bill Bruford walked on. Yeah. Now, I knew who he was because of, you know, Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, when did you uh, first see Yes? When did I first see Yes? That was about the same time. That was also 1972. It was a busy time for me. See, again, I had money in my pocket. <laughs> so, uh, uh, yeah, it was the same month, funnily, looking at, I've got a list here. Yeah, same month. I didn't realize that. September 72, I went to Crystal Palace and saw Yes, and I went to the Oval and saw Genesis. That's, All right, don't great, spoil this. Great year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, I asked, because that, that's an entirely other episode. So. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Let's not cross our streams. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. But anyway, so so I knew who Bruford was. I'd never seen him with Yes, though. By the time I saw Yes, he had left, but mm -hmm. I knew who he was. So when he comes on stage, I said, "Okay, wow, that's that's really interesting." Uh, and it was it was great to see Phil wasn't 
one of the aspects of, of Genesis with Peter Gabriel were the stories that Peter told. And, and you get some snippets of that on Genesis Live. As I understand it, he told those stories while the band were tuning up and keeping the instruments, the Mellotron and that in tune, and the 12 strings and that. So instead of him standing there, you know, do, you know twiddling his thumbs, he would tell these stories while they were doing that. And they, they became bigger than that in the end. Phil tried to do that, so he and he wasn't at least back right at the beginning wasn't as good as at that. But his singing, it was clear he kind of got used to his voice a little bit uh, because of his backing vocals before. But his singing, what you didn't miss Peter from a singing point of view. It, it it was great, and when you got the two drummer, when he went back to drum. And you got him and Bill drumming. Oh yeah, oh yeah. This is like fantastic. Right, that was right. that was magical. But I think that one of the biggest thing was it was such a, a thrill and a surprise. You know, I didn't know this was going to happen. I hadn't read about it. You know, there was no YouTube to see other things. Uh, other people have shot on previous gigs because of the, their London gigs. They, I think, they toured in the US before they got to London with that combination. So I knew nothing about it. No way of knowing. So that was great. It was, it was one of the great things about it. Trick of the Tower was a good album too. I mean, remember having some concern. One, how are they going to follow up the land? And two, how are they going to do it without Peter? But it was, it worked. It was, a, it was a great album. And we go, Oh, okay. This is, this is all right. So when, when you got the record and, you brought it home, and as you said, you were a little concerned, but it, music comes out, and you're, I'm assuming you're like, oh, this is great, right? Mm-hmm. And then and then you go to see them in concert, and you're not 100% certain how this is going to manifest itself, and Bill Bruford shows up, which has to make you feel better, so that's that's really cool. And at that point, then you're like, okay, Genesis is good, we've got, we, we've got this covered, right? Or <laughs> right, <laughs> mm-hmm. and then somebody else goes and leaves. Right, yeah, and then and then uh, <laughs> and then Steve Haggett says, "I'm out of here." Now, was was it again known at when? And then there were three came out that that that's the way they were going to do it, or was was there some ambiguity around that as well? Because it seems like Hackett's departure was was maybe a little less known, talked about, publicized, based on sort of what you hear, right? Yeah, yeah, I think that's true. He's such a great guitarist, and I really enjoy listening to him. Uh, I wondered how the next album was going to be. Now, they only did it with the three of them, of course, but my thinking was, well, how's this going to work live now? (laughs) You you know? Okay. Because who's going to be the guitarist and how's Mike Rutherford going to do lead guitar and who's going to be the bassist and, and, and what that, that, that was looking to be like a bit of a step too far. How are they going to keep this going as a live act that came along? I saw that, that then there were three album at Nebworth in the summer of uh, 78. I was a million miles away from them, so I couldn't really see them, but, uh, you couldn't, you couldn't really make out Chester Thompson or Daryl Sturmer. They're just up on the stage there. Right. Yeah. But it, but it, 
and then and the sound's not great with an open air venue like that. I mean, Nebworth was a huge. Uh, I have to say, the thing I remember most about that concert that that day was my introduction to Brand X. They oh, were wow. they uh, they opened the, uh, okay. the show the the day, and it was after that that I went back and bought Livestock, uh, uh, Brand X live album, and then bought other things and. Uh, discovered. Oh, Phil Collins was on with them too. He didn't play with Brand X that day, but, but oh, okay. And that's a whole different uh, story again. And um, so, wait, Ken Gregory wasn't wasn't Bruford in Brand X for a little bit too? Wasn't there some crossover there? Do I remember that correctly? Um, don't think so. No, don't think so. All right, but. So, Ken Fuller, um, when is, like, peak um, uh, merchandising in effect where, where, where you're, you're buying Peter albums and Peter concert tickets and Steve Hackett albums and Steve Hackett concert tickets and the Genesis stuff? And it, 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 where is the critical mass in your spreadsheet there? Like, like when, when did you totally max out on, on this whole adventure? <laughs> I don't know. It's probably last last year or something. Last year. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, in the UK, but I suppose in the UK, I think the most bands I ever saw were Genesis and Yes, uh, and I would try and go and see them any time. However, there was a period where I was saving to get married, and so I didn't go anywhere and do anything. <laughs> Um, but did so, did you have uh, did you have any year where you got a trifecta where you saw Pete and Steve and Genesis all in the same year? Definitely saw would have seen Genesis and Steve. I didn't see Peter Gabriel solo for many many years. Hmm. It was hmm. I didn't see him until it was at Beacon Theatre in New York. Uh, many 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 years later, obviously missed a trick there because his solo concerts were. Well, some of the videos are fantastic, but uh, ne- never, ne- never did that. So you were a real progger. You, you were yes, Genesis, ELP. So it took it took Pete a oh. while to win, to win you over. Right, right. You know, there were they used to say in England that that progressive rock music was was made for uh, white grammar school boys. And I'll put my hand up. <laughs> there you are. I was the archetypal uh, white grammar school boy. I, I had a very enlightened music teacher that for music lessons, he would allow, he would ask us to bring in your favorite album and we'll play it to the class and then we'll discuss it. So I got to hear things like Van der Graaff Generator and, uh, I don't remember what I would have taken in now, but but things like that. So you get to hear music and then you discuss it. But yeah, all of those uh, ELP were top of my list. But the nice before that, Pink Floyd. I saw Floyd very early on. Um, you know, Atom Heart Mother and all that sort of stuff. Which is, you know, th- there's some albums you need to talk about, you guys. Um, <laughs> Funny you should say that, Ken. <laughs> and. Uh, Yes, progressive. I'm not sure it was necessarily called progressive rock music at that time, but that kind of stuff was uh, that was what I listened to all the time. Yeah. 
So a couple of other, again, let's let's go back to Ken Fuller on release day, going to the record store and bringing home Abacab. And <laughs> you, you put it on the turntable, and what are you thinking? Hmm. That was the... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I don't remember thinking anything like, oh, my God, this is not Foxtrot. I mean, it's just like too too many years have passed in between. I mean, that that album Genesis came out in, what, 83, 84, and Foxtrot was 72. You know, and and there's a a kind of progression here. I I don't remember uh, thinking this is wacky, although that's the album with – that's Dodo. Dodo one, Lurker it? Yeah. and Keep It Dark. L- and, okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes. And uh, mm. not necessarily my favorite uh, track, but I don't remember thinking, oh, well, why won't they do uh, you know, Battle of Epping Forest again? Or <laughs> what? They, mm. they don't do anything like that anymore. It, it, each one has gone from, uh, um, you know, and then there were three to Duke to Abacab. I can't say I thought, oh, I, yeah, I don't like this. I go, yeah, okay, fair enough. This is this is Genesis now. What what is the closest that you've seen to Duke end to end? Oh, because that is a palaver staple. Did you see a concert that was Duke end to end? Oh, yes, I did. I did. Oh, beautiful. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that was not the answer you wanted, was it? No, no, no. That's yes. that's exactly what we want. I mean, th- th- that's, no, that, no. that for, and of for, course they do the Duke Suite. Like it isn't on the album because it's broken up a bit on the album, but they they do it all the way through. And uh, yes, I did. I did see uh, oh. Duke, and I love that. It's a it's a great uh, it's a great piece. I would have totally lost my mind. Your 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 favorite album, right, John? It is. Yes, I. I think it's the best. And and again, I I always couch it that way. I think it's the best. I understand other people have different opinions, and and I totally respect that. But there's so much that I find enjoyable about that record. I can talk about it all day again. By that time, you've got used to the idea of the core three, Daryl and Chester. The, The production's getting bigger. The lights are getting bigger. I was going to ask you if Seconds Out uh, met your expectations because that would – well, actually, Three Sides Live would have been 1982. So that so Three Sides Live would have contained the Duke material plus the Abacab material. Yeah, right, so, okay. So, so, seconds, so seconds Out had the, the four-man Genesis segment, right. or at least a lot of it. I've no idea how much on Seconds Out is – overdubbed or anything or taken care of in the studio later but i think that is a great live album i agree with you i really great i find seconds out to be just it's it's really really good in terms of a live album we have an entire episode just on supper's ready and obviously the the version from seconds out is is one of the 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 canon staples if you will one of the the main interpretations of that of that song so yes and of course that's phil singing it which is is very different again but it that is a 
an an excellent version of it. But that's a, a the whole thing is a great live album, it, it, yeah. and I think that was very representative of how they sounded at uh, that time. Love oh, that beautiful. album. Beautiful. Okay. Free Sides so, Live is a bit of an odd one, though. Sorry, unless you don't want to j- quite jump to that yet. Well, yeah, <laughs> it, it, I, I, Three Sides Live is funny because, especially the the different configuration in the different the, the different regions. So, and I don't, I don't remember yes. which one's which, but in some places, Three Sides Live is in fact three sides of live music plus extra stuff left over that was, I guess, recorded during Abacab, I think. And then, but in a lot of places, it's actually four sides live, which it's just right. makes no sense. Now, I lived in, in, in Brussels, Belgium at that time when that came out. And the version I had was three sides plus a studio side. Okay. All right. That's legit. And yeah, yeah and, and, and in keeping with the Duke theme, uh, uh, we, I, I, I suppose you were a, a big fan of Behind the Lines. Was that a, a crowd pleaser in the show? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I even like the version uh, Phil did with the big band. Wow. Okay. I'm going to, oh, yeah. I'll let you have that we one. We banned that. <laughs> we slammed that one. <laughs> I know you did. <laughs> but, okay. Yeah. But, 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 uh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Duchess is on there as well. Um, yeah. Three Sides has its merits. And, 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 and it, it, it maybe didn't hold up as much as uh, Seconds Out, but it, it, at least it has those tunes that we find so pivotal to the pullover here. I was going to say, I had the opportunity when I lived in, in Brussels or near Brussels for a couple of years. And I had to see the opportunity to see Genesis twice in the space of 12 months at a, a place called the Foray National, which is a big um, you know, Madison Square Garden type. Um, the, the end of the Abacab tour, and then they did this Three Sides Live tour. But the most notable thing, two notable things about those tours it was the first time I'd ever seen the very lights, you know, the lights right. that move. Yep. And I don't remember which song it was when they first moved, but when they pivoted around and the lights suddenly went from front stage to, and swung around and was pools of light at the back, the audience, you could hear them gasp. Mm-hmm. You know, nobody had seen this before. <laughs> so, and it was, of course, beautifully in time with whatever was going on with the music at the time. And they, they kind of swung around and, and probably moved from white to red or something. And it was like, wow, that's <laughs> fantastic. The Very Lights is an interesting sort of, of sidebar to the Genesis story that we didn't really cover. Rutherford talks about it a little bit in, in his book. In the fact that, you know, as they were sort of creating their stage show, they wanted lights that could do certain things that didn't exist. And so it's not really clear, but somehow, work I'm assuming working with other people, they created, Genesis created the, the very light system. And, you know, they got to use it first because they created it. And eventually other, other you know, tours started you know, licensing out or, or renting or however you want to you say that. And, and, you know, that's, that's an interesting sort of facet that you, you know, you wouldn't normally expect a band to get into, you know, designing equipment for lighting rigs, but there you go. 
Yeah, yeah. Well, it was then and still is very effective. But there was, an, as I said, an audible gasp from the audience. <laughs> well, wow, yeah, if, if no one had ever incredible. seen such a thing before. Yeah, yeah, it was good. It was very good. I also th seem to think, uh, I recall that, was it in, in uh, one of the songs where they kind of swap instruments? Uh, Mike Rutherford uh, played drums and, uh, oh, I think that's Who Done It. Okay, that's the stuff of legends. Yeah, um, yeah but, but you're you're confirming it that it actually happened. Yes, it did actually happen. Yes, I, I will confirm that. Yeah, um, you know, you asked a question earlier about you know did it did it seem weird? Did it seem out of context that some some of these albums or no, they just seem to be a gradual progression of sound and you know maybe what else other music that was around at the time. It, it nothing. It didn't seem to stick out. It was different Genesis, yeah. I mean, you've got. I remember a quote, uh, I think, in a film I saw that somebody asked Tony Banks, or you know, Tony, what did you prefer, the Peter Gabriel era or the Phil Collins era? And he said, "Well, I prefer to think of it all as the Tony Banks era." <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, there you go. You know, it's 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 all Genesis. Right? Yeah. So to that end. You know, there are some some very strong feelings around the albums, well, Abacab and After, Abacab, Genesis, Invisible Touch, We Can't Dance, and Calling All Stations. All five of those are prone to elicit strong reactions one way or the other. Was there ever a point where you kind of threw up your hands and said, I, I don't know what they're doing anymore, or did you... Did you ride that train all the way to the, the last station? Yeah, no, I did go to the last stop. I remember going to Best Buy to get uh, Calling All Stations on the day that was released uh, and going home and playing it and then thinking, I wish they hadn't done this. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> that, that, that doesn't mean to say... I don't like some of the songs on it. I just wish they'd stop with We Can't Dance. I love some of the tracks on that. Fading Lights is a great one. Mm. Driving the Last Spike. I was lucky enough to see that tour twice. I saw them uh, in a, within a couple of months do that. And uh, love that tour uh, and that album. But Calling All Stations, that one doesn't feel like a genesis album to me that's a bit strange for me to say in a way because i said you know peter to phil was kind of seamless and it worked and there was a gradual transition and they changed their style and i accepted that and went along with this and then you've got that one and that does seem like it's tacked on the end to me and the way we described it here on the palaver was that from genesis to revelation and calling all stations are bookends that are holding up the 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 Genesis catalog in the middle. They're different from what came before or after. And and that's not to say good, bad, or otherwise, but there are discernible differences between those two albums and, and maybe the rest. Yes. Now, I think if they toured in the U.S., I was living in the U.S. by then, if they toured Calling All Stations, I'm sure I would have gone. Absolutely sure I would have gone. Uh 
but uh, and I think they, they planned to and then it got cancelled because it didn't go over so well in Europe or something like, or the album didn't sell well in the US I can't remember um, well, but I, d- despite that I would have been there yeah and, and I want to say I in in one of the interviews that we we watched in preparation for that they were talking about the, the reaction in Europe to the tour and and poor Ray Wilson was so visceral if that's the word I'm looking for that when when people would would call in the US or or go to buy tickets they would actually have to they they somehow were obligated to tell them that Phil Collins wasn't singing <laughs> and you know I guess that that quelled enough ticket sales that eventually they they pulled the plug on the whole tour which is unfortunate I don't know where I was in my life at the time or if I would have been able to go see them. But I, I remember getting Calling All Stations. I remember liking it. And like you, I'm, I'm fairly certain I, I probably would have gone. Having watched the video of the one concert from, I guess it's Poland on that tour. It, 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 mm-hmm. it, it was, yep. you know, it was different because they didn't have, they didn't have Daryl and Chester anymore. Ray Wilson is, and, and I'm, I make the, the comment in our episode on Calling All Stations, uh, I believe. Ray Wilson is, I mean, if you're looking to replace Phil Collins, Ray Wilson isn't the guy. So some, you know, some of the interpretations of, of the songs are, are different with Ray. It's again, not, it's not good or, or bad. It's just, it's, it's different. You know, it, it's not like, yes, finding a John Davison who has a lot in common with John Anderson. They're not the same right, person, but, right. but there's a lot in common. Ray is, is different. It's, it's fascinating. Right. No, you're absolutely right. Um, there's a band by the name of Big Big Train. Oh yeah, that yeah, uh, I've, I've heard <laughs> it su- suggested. Or I read it was suggested that he would have made a great uh, Phil Collins uh, replacement in Genesis. Uh, he sounds a bit like him, even looks a bit like him. So, uh, but which probably isn't the the point because that ends up making Genesis more of a tribute band if they if they uh, try tried to do something they like that. They didn't do that. They went in a different direction. But somehow it didn't quite work for me. Yeah, and and you know one of the other things that we said is it would have been nice to see if they had had written more songs, a second album as a trio, because Gray was sort of bolted on at the end of that process, as we understand it. So, you know it it. But it's it's fascinating then. So you were you were on the ride from Foxtrot through Calling All Stations. That is phenomenal. Um, I am extraordinarily jealous. <laughs> <laughs> now I missed out the last, you know, that tour they did in 2007 sure. or something, yep. uh, when the three of them, yes, my, uh, eldest daughter had the nerve to, uh, go and arrange her wedding, oh. uh, at the, the same time as the gig at Madison square garden. So <laughs> I, that, that was the tour I missed. The things we do as parents. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, but uh, <laughs> there was no album with that one, so at least I can well, say yeah, so. album, album tour, album tour. I was, uh, <laughs> I did do that. I, I missed, I missed that tour as well, but I, I'm sure I didn't have as good an excuse. Kenny G, you had something? 
I save this for last. Um, I, 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 I'm going to take the, the flavor into to dark waters. Uh-oh. Uh, um, so, so when the Land of Confusion video came out, we were 16 and we didn't have the, the, quite the breadth of life experience in politics to understand what they were communicating there. What was it for you, Ken, being both with uh, UK and US experience to see these likenesses of, of Ronald Reagan and Tony Blair? Oh, well, they were great. Thatcher, Margaret Thatcher, right? Thatcher. Well, you may not have been aware, but there was a program in England called Spitting Image, which were these these puppets, the the two guys that did these puppets, that was their show. And it was political satire. Like, they did a a great song uh, on their show, and it was George Bush puppet, uh, the first George Bush and Saddam Hussein on a motorbike singing the leader of Iraq. <laughs> Get it? The leader like, of the pack. Leader yes. of the pack. Yes. <laughs> um, so this satirical political satire is is on TV has been a mainstay in Britain for many 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 years, uh, much less though than than here in the US. So this was a half-hour show of puppets. Of uh, uh, There was a politician, uh, British politician by the name of Roy Hattersley, who kind of had a bit of a lisp and, and, and when he spoke. Well, they had him as a puppet actually spat, and there was water coming out of his mouth all the time. I mean, it was really quite cruel, uh, but, very, but very funny as a result. So Genesis were using these guys to do puppets that – for a British audience, we're actually already quite familiar. We'd seen a Reagan puppet and a Prince Charles and a Lady Di and a Queen puppet and that already on this program called Spitting Image. So I was going, oh, yeah, that's neat. They've done a video with those guys. I, I want to <clears> say in his book, Rutherford speaks to the fact that his puppet went on to have a second life on Spitting Image as Jesus. So... <laughs> 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 well, uh, well, well. <laughs> there's not much you can say to that. <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. We've all done corporate work and times are tough. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lord. That's good. But that, sadly, that's a show that's not on anymore. And if there were ever times when you could do with some spitting image puppets, these are probably those. <laughs> yeah, lots of lots of fodder for them now. I could only even imagine what uh, yes, there, what they could do. There would be, there would be. <laughs> I remember also you uh, you made a lot of comments about um, illegal alien when you discussed that. Oh yes, palaver. yes. Um, and I remember that. And when I listened to the palaver, I thought. I don't remember that being, um, you know, so t- thinking that's so terribly racist or anything at the time. I just thought it was funny. So it's it's very different when you, you know something. You look back on something uh, with today's eyes than 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 how something is at the time. I mean, maybe I was wrong, and maybe it, I shouldn't have found it funny at the time. But uh, well, but and and I think um, yeah, I think we talked about that because it it certainly didn't strike me at the time, and I I don't know that I even really thought about it until we 
we started getting ready to do this segment and and the closer we got the sort of more anxious i became and when i finally went back and watched it i was like oh it's worse than i remember (laughs) (laughs) right right but they've had some horrible videos Uh, i mean that that's just one example i mean there was the one with Phil Collins, miniaturized Phil Collins dancing on the piano. What was that like years and years ago? Oh, from yeah. Trick of the Tail. From, from Trick of the Tail, yes. I mean, I don't think videos have necessarily been their strong point. <laughs> Thank you for saying that. <laughs> <laughs> they weren't a band made for the MTV era, were they? Really? No. They, well, and at least not at first, although obviously they, they came to embrace the whole thing and, you know, well, they, became MTV superstars. They did. Yeah, and, yeah, and it's and amazing. Phil obviously went, you know, it, well, Phil and and Mike, um, you know, Mike and the Mechanics weren't quite as big as Phil, obviously, but but they had a, a couple of, of heavy rotation videos. So, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Well, this this has been great, Kenny G. Any anything else to finish up? Oh, that 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 covers it. I'm 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 just overwhelmed. Uh, uh, I, can I hope to? Uh, uh, synchronize with you again maybe the music musical box or you know w- whatever event so, uh, to get your uh, perspectives on on the next go round of the uh, tributes excellent yeah i'd love to do that ken it'd be great next year excellent awesome okay so ken fuller thank you so much for for joining us and and sharing your experiences you know with genesis it it's it's such a, a a joy to have you as a resource, like like I said, having lived through this and and providing some of the perspective that you know oftentimes we lack simply because of when we were born. It's not because we you know wouldn't have it otherwise, but but your your perspective is is you know different and valued. So so thank you very much, and look forward to uh, as we get into our Pink Floyd segment. Apparently, we're going to have to call you up again. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, no, it's, it's my pleasure. I feel, you know, in some ways very lucky that I was uh, I was around at that time and did have the opportunity to see these bands uh, sometimes in, in smaller places than the, you know, the big barns that we have to go and see right. uh, them in. And uh, it was just, just, just luck and uh, right place, right time. But it, I'm, I'm, I'm glad that uh, happened for me. Well, spectacular. And I'm really glad that, that you're asking the uh, – asking me to join you i i really appreciate it well good we uh, we enjoy having you around and look forward to having you in the future so thanks ken and ken we'll uh, talk to you guys later cheers thank you thanks all right good job gentlemen We hope you've enjoyed this discussion of Genesis Lessons Learned with Ken Fuller. As always, we uh, invite and solicit your input, your thoughts, your comments, your feedback, your questions. You can reach us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook at ProgPala or search for Progressive Palaver. You're welcome to email us. Our email address is progpala, that's P-R-O-G-P-A-L-A, at gmail.com. Progressive Palaver is available for subscription and download on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify, or presumably wherever you find your podcasts. And we are, as always, hosted on SoundCloud. So until next time, thanks for listening.